Hello, and welcome to Contacts, a podcast dedicated to bringing you practical ideas from coaches sharing what they have learned throughout their career. I want to open the door into my network of contacts whose innovative, reflective, and diverse coaching knowledge may offer ideas to enhance your experience. I'm your host, Justin Klein. All right, welcome. This week we are joined by head football coach and former athletic director and former coach many other sports at Palma School in Salinas, Jeff Carnazzo. We are super excited to have you and to pick your brain and learn from you. Welcome. Thank you, Justin. I am honored and excited to be here. All right, coach, let's just dive right in. So if you wouldn't mind for our listeners, take us through your background as a coach. How did you end up coaching and what was the process of landing your first head job and, and then any other subsequent coaching jobs that, that you've uh, entertained during these years? Yeah, basically when I first started out at Palma, I, I ended up at Palma because my former football coach uh, at the time, Norm Costa, who's a big influence in my life, I played for him as a graduate of Palma. I ended up playing for him and he found out I was in town. I just moved to take a substitute teaching job. I was really young, straight out of college, and he heard that I was in town, and he asked me to to be an assistant coach on the JVs. And I said, okay. I, I was honored that he asked me, and I started uh, coaching there. And actually, I, I ended up getting a teaching job at Palma as well. I only had a four-year college degree, but I knew that, that was something that I thought I wanted to do. And once I started teaching at Palma, I immediately enrolled in a credential program and ended up earning my credential and a master's degree. Um, but in the meantime, I was coaching and I fell in love with coaching immediately. I think it was the very, I remember the very first game that I coached, I was just excited to be out here. And I said, this is something I want to do for uh, the rest of my working life. And uh, here I am 30 years later, still doing the same type of things. But I ended up being a JV head coach. The very next year, the head coach left and I took over. So here I am second year in teaching and coaching. I ended up at the head JV coach, which was good. I ended up doing that for nine years, I think. And then in the 10th year, Norm was still the coach. That was 1999. And he asked me to come up to the varsity to be an assistant. Norm was a very private and quiet person, as Justin, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you were teaching there while he was there as well. He never said a word. He just said, I want you to come up to the varsity and be my linebacker coach. So I said, absolutely. And it was a great year. I learned more under him than I had in my previous nine years and uh, I really really enjoyed it and then the next year came along and I was fully expecting in 2000 to again be the linebacker coach and I was excited because I knew I was going to learn more and he abruptly stepped down he retired Hmm. Uh, he won a lot of games there and but he was a very private person he didn't even tell me and then but he let it know be known that he wanted me to take over Hmm. and I ended up taking over the job the next year the 2000 season and I had a pretty good core, and we ended up winning the CCS Division One championship. We beat Oak Grove in the finals, and then the next year we won. We did the same exact thing, and we ended up beating Mitty in the finals. And then we didn't win it my third year, but we got to the second round. And then the third year we ran again, won it again, and beat St. Francis. So it, here I am, fourth year as a varsity coach, and I had three championships. And I said, "Man, this is easy." Well. I'm, you know, really have had one one CCS championship since then. It was 2011, but it was great 
really taken over. I didn't realize that was what, uh, this is going to be my 21st year as a head varsity coach. And I love it. It's a strange year. And uh, that's where I'm at. That's awesome, Coach. Thank you for that backstory. I think that's going to be really helpful in, in understanding where we go with this. And it's interesting, you know, you, you said as you went right into this, you didn't expect it, and you had immediate success. You had a great core in your first four years. You won three CCS titles and, and thought you had all the answers and then shook your head and said, boy, was I wrong, which leads me right into my, my next question, which I think it's going to take an interesting turn with your answer, which is what are the three things or are the handful of things that you still needed to figure out when you took over as the head coach. And I think that's for someone that had instant success and now is looking back and going like, boy, I didn't know a whole lot. Like, like what, how would you capture those? What were those things uh, that you would offer up as, wow, I really needed to figure these, stuff, these things out? Yeah, I think one of the things I learned from Norm, and I really didn't appreciate it until I became coach probably a couple years in, was just uh, having that distance from parents and in high school sports, it's, it's, you need them, but you don't need them around you when game time and mm-hmm. after game time. And yeah, I've always run the program that there's a separation between myself and, and the, the parents. Probably learning that a little bit earlier would have been something. And then also just the teaching aspect of it. Early in those years, it was really important to win. When, you, when you're young and you just want to win and I put so much pressure on myself and my assistant coaches that we were going to win. And, and I think in, in the early years, I may have lost a little bit that, of uh, relationship with my players that I think now I appreciate every one of my players. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many more years I'm going to be doing this, you know, I, hopefully for the next 10, 15 years. But I cherish those years more. I cherish my relationship with my players more. I, I enjoy more now though relationship building that goes along with coaching as opposed to earlier in my career it was more about wins as embarrassed as I am to say that but I think I was a little bit too young at that time to appreciate it and I would say that's probably pretty normal for people that are just getting into it yeah yeah and the other thing too is that the research aspect of it I think in the earlier years there there, it was tougher because there wasn't available opportunities to for coaching education, whereas now you go on Twitter, podcasts like this, that and and reading. Now I'm just a voracious reader, and I read everything from leadership books to football coaching books to history books to biographies, and I've constantly have I am constantly reading a book and listening to a book at the same time. Different, obviously not at the same time. It's something that's important to me, and I don't know. It, it wasn't as much earlier on, and so that's evolved over time where. You know, when you were younger, the rat race kind of catches up with you and you don't have time to do that. Whereas as an older coach, that's what's important, right? How do I grow on a daily basis so that I can give back to my players because those relationships are what's most important? Correct. Correct. And it's not just learning now anymore about how to run better routes or how, how, to, co- how to coach the 3-4 the defense or the spread offense. It's more about relationship building. And I, I really like authors like Urban Meyer, not that he, I mean, he's a great coach, and but his books are great. Nick Saban has some good stuff out there. Jay Billis has a book that I recommend to anybody out there. It's called Toughness. Mm-hmm. And it's not only about sports, but it's about life. I, I really assign that as uh, some reading when, ironically enough, I took over our girls program here for those two years. That was our, our team summer reading book. 
and just like you said, it's about life skills and how you apply those things. And you That's mentioned one of the most Meyer. underrated books out there is Jay Billis's Toughness. Absolutely. I agree with that. You mentioned Urban Meyer. We're going to come back to that in, in a couple of minutes. But in so 20, first year as the head varsity coach, been coaching probably almost 30 at this point, right? If not 30. And now you've had, but it's your program for 21 years. Where before you were part of Coach Casa's program and, and now it's your program. And over that time, you've evolved as a coach and you mentioned three out of four championships and one in the last X number of years. But those years have probably been more fulfilling for you on a personal and emotional level. And ultimately from that, what's the best thing you do in your program? Meaning the, the thing that you have implemented that's had the largest ripple effect towards creating a culture that you, you strive to maintain and, and that your athletes and coaches and school thrives in. What's that thing? That, that I think, I think, yeah, I think that's a great question. I think the number one thing that we do that builds culture, it builds mental toughness, physical toughness is our off season workout program. It's very important. It's just, it's entrenched in what we do at the school. Before I got there, Norm had a weight program, but it was early. At that time, it wasn't as important as it is now. And he had one in the afternoon, but I'm a morning person. I always have been. And my players have taken on that trait for all throughout the program. So we start weightlifting in the summertime at 545 in the morning. And it's nobody bats an eye. I never get complaints from parents. I don't because they understand how important it is. Championships are won and lost in that in that uh, building known as our weight room. But so that I think the culture is there. So when the freshmen come in, they just naturally go into it and, and it works. We work out, we start working out the uh, January, it's usually around January 28th. I give them a little bit of time off after the season's over. You hope you go into early December, you give them the rest of December at Christmas and New Year's, and then you start gearing up after that. So the third week in January is when we start, and then we go straight through all the way through the season. So they're expected to be there early in the morning. We get our workouts done, even in a season. On a Monday and a Wednesday, we're in there at uh, 6.30 during the season, and it's a quick one-hour workout, but they know how important it is, and everybody shows up. Rarely is a time when someone doesn't show up. So I think that's had a ripple effect in the program all the way from uh, freshman all the way through. And the other thing that we do, and I think you're familiar with this, is in the off season or in the summertime, we started something called the breakaway mm -hmm. competition. And it's a way to get your guys going in the right direction and to let to build to, to build that camaraderie to build that, that toughness in the kids and then the interdependence on each other. The kids start depending on each other. And we have a, a number of different competitions. We'll go to Carmel Beach and we'll spend, you know, half the day there. And we have activities and re relay races and throwing balls in the water and they have to go chase them. And whoever comes out with the ball, it's all competition based. The entire summer we're competing against each other. So I think that spirit of competition is strong and what they won't do for a sweatshirt or a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. That's what we give them. A, it's usually a sweatshirt or a t-shirt or something, a hat, mm -hmm. and they go all out for it. And there's a lot of pride in that. And you see those sweatshirts that kids are wearing and they take a lot of pride in being the breakaway championship. And it's, we call it breakaway because it's breakaway from football. It's going to the bowling alley and mm -hmm. each team, there's eight different teams and they have uh, sophomores, juniors, and seniors 
on the, so it's JV and varsity that get involved in it. And the freshmen watch a lot of it and they look forward to when they get to participate in the breakaway competition. So that's been great for us too. Yeah, I remember two things on that I'll just point out is, is that when I was there with you at Palma, the culture of lifting and the culture of competing with one another uh, was so prevalent that even athletes that were playing other sports wanted to show up in the morning and lift once you started those workouts. And it was like a delicate balance of, hey, you're in season, like you got to take it easy. But they're like, coach, I'm not missing workouts. And it wasn't because right. like you were holding them to task. It was just they just want to be part of the group. The yeah. same thing I, I remember distinctly when you and Nick and I were talking about how to do something to generate camaraderie and the first breakaway was like hiking up Garland as a group and like we were game planning that and then what it's become which is I think super important because I think ultimately what you find out is that your school or your organization right what are the restrictions that you have to fit something like that in and I think that's the thing that you take away from this is not necessarily what does coach Carnazzo do on his breakaway but it's like how do you take that idea of get him away from football still compete, still be team, build team, because that's going to translate back onto the field when you get there. And, and yeah. so I remember that. Uh, and again, you mentioned Urban Meyer, and, and I was listening to, to a podcast that had him on it, and, and he was talking about how, how tightly defined, they, or excuse me, how tightly they define their culture and how it can be repeated. And you just talked about toughness and, and, and strength and competitiveness in yours. But like, how do you define culture? What is it? Like, like if you know, have seen it evolve over time. What are the things that continuously show up? I think mentioning about our, our weight program, the culture is how your team is, how they handle themselves on a daily basis, not only game day, but the preparation for game day, the preparation for the season and the off season. It, there, there's a definite culture at Palma that you remember, right? If the kids are screwing around in class and it's April and it's not even football season, the teachers are going to come to me because they know that I'm with the kids all the time. And so anyways, there's that culture that's there that once a chieftain, always a chieftain. We love to say that. And I know that's cliche because a lot of, of programs, a lot of schools will, will say that, but we really truly believe that. So it's how you conduct yourself on a daily basis. It's how it's what kind of man are you going to become when you graduate from Palma and after you've played football and when you're a father and when you're a husband, we take pride in that. Yesterday, I just tweeted out something about one of my players uh, graduated eight or nine years ago, mm -hmm. and he just uh, became a, a sergeant in the Marines. Very proud of him. Very, very proud of him. And anytime they do anything outside, and, and I hear about it, I'm tweeting it. I'm getting that, that information out there. And I get a lot of positive uh, responses to that. And our kids see that, and they aspire to, to be – that type of person. Mm -hmm. The Drew Dalmans of the world who this year is a preseason all Pac-10 offensive lineman. I'm going to get that information out there. Hey, this guy was a chieftain. David right. Fales goes and signed by the New York Jets. I'm going to get that information out there. Mm -hmm. It's all part of our culture. That's great. That's great. All right. This is uh, last question I have as, as we try to keep this thing on point and informational and almost mentor-ish for people that might want to steal a few nuggets as to how I can enhance my program. And, and again, the data point here, 21 years as a head coach, 30 years coaching, all at the same place. Sometimes that leads to stagnation, but you've made it clear, like I'm constantly trying to learn. I'm constantly trying to evolve. Here's how I've grown. So this question, I think, leans into that. And how has your approach to coaching changed during your career? 
and it's kind of open-ended. And if you were starting over today, what would you do differently in, in that journey? Because you had that start right at the beginning. And then in a nutshell at the end, what piece of advice would you give your younger self? Yeah, I think we covered that too, is that, that what I feel like is relationships. It's about relationships. It's about building men, about building them up as opposed to wins. And I think in the early years, it was about wins. I took a lot of pride in going 10 and 0 when I was a JV head football coach, when I feel like I should have taken more pride in the relationships that I built in those early years. I feel like I have stronger relationships with my kids now than I did earlier. Let me push back on that for a second. What has changed in your approach that has allowed you to grow those relationships? What are you doing to make sure that is the priority? To make sure that, that my relationship with the kids is a priority? Yeah. So like I think, it, I think it, it, it's come with age, Justin. It really has. It's, it, it's seen the broader picture mm -hmm. that it, at the end of the day, when I'm sitting, when I'm laying in my casket and everybody's walking, what are they going to say about me? Oh, he won a lot of football games. Big deal. I want to affect as many people as I can. I feel like I got into this occupation to influence lives. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere along the line, football, coaching, wins, losses, and then you get off that beaten path sometimes. Yep. But at the end of the day, thinking backwards, when I'm dead, I want people to say, hey, I, I, he was a good man. He treated me well. He, he was inspirational. He drove me to be a better person. And, and all along with that comes becoming a better football player too. Mm -hmm. And along with that oftentimes comes because we've won a lot of games in my 21 years. We really have. We've got a number of championships, not just mm -hmm. CCS championship. We won a lot of games, but I, I have some strong relationships with my, my players. So I guess just to offer this up to those that, that are listening, are there things that you do on a day-to-day -day with, when you go to practice that are different than you did back then, right? Like you're making the rounds at the beginning and there's social time built in besides the breakaway, right? Besides these systematic things that you've built in that are intentionally targeted at growing that group mm -hmm. aspect, just yeah. things off the top of your head that you think about, Whoa, you know what? I didn't used to do this. I didn't used to get on Twitter and promote how all of our kids are doing. Right. Right. Things like I mean, that. just, just, you know, one of my, one of the things I talk about with my coaches all the time is coach every player every day. Yeah. And that not only means coaching, but that means talking to kids. Because mm -hmm. I can remember sometimes you have those kids that, that are quiet and they don't say very much and they don't want to be noticed. They could fall through the cracks and you could, you could lose those guys. And you, you want to make sure that doesn't happen. So I've always uh, been a believer that you, you coach everybody one through 50 or however many you have that year. and you Because you don't want your last two or three on your roster that they could be the difference between your team culture, uh, winning culture and losing culture. Because we have had years where we've had some guys on the team that were disgruntled mm -hmm. and they make it, they bring down the culture a little bit and then you try to build it back up. So now you try to avoid that by making sure that you're checking in with every player all the time, right. that you're going out of your way every single day to say, hey, how are you doing? How's your mom If something, or how's your dad? Or your brother, you just talk about other things other than football. And you try to do that on a daily basis. And the, yeah. the good thing is too, and you could relate to this, is I see these guys every day. I spend more time with my football players than their parents do. Because I'm with them for two hours in the morning in the weight room. We have meetings at lunch. We're out there on the football field for three hours after that. So you add all that time up and that's a lot. And it's meaning I want to make that time that I have with those kids meaningful. 
Yeah. Well, I remember the mornings we used to train as a coaching staff. And then I've actually, that's one of the things that traditionally, you know, pre-COVID that, that we have maintained over here in the summer with, with my own children and their, their friends and athletes that want to come in so we can get that work in before they go about the rest of their day. Uh, yeah. But I think the lesson that's learned there, right, is if you can do the things that are hard first thing in the morning, the rest of the day is so much better. Um, it is. And we do that. I mean, I, I still, I work out with uh, Chris Dahlman and, Nor and Nick Noroyan. We go out in the morning. We get on the track literally at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> and we running on the track first for 45 minutes and then we hit the weight room and by 5 30 we're done and you know it's been covid's been really really difficult yeah. it's been hard on me as well as i'm sure you and mm -hmm. all other coaches because we're so used to seeing our kids on a daily basis and now you take that away and I'm not sure how to respond to it. We finally are starting weightlifting up again. We got the approval from the county to be able to do that next week. We're going to start on Wednesday, and I'm really excited to get going. But at the same time, I'm struggling with, are we going to have a season or are we not going to have a season type thing? You know, and I'm, I don't think I'm handling it really well. <laughs> Well, the nice thing is that you're you're able to re to see that, and and I guarantee you're probably trying to find a solution so that you can put the spin on it for yourself, and definitely for the the men that you're leading, uh, so they can lean into this and and be as positive and optimistic as possible. And it's again one of those great takeaways that you probably come across in your life, right? Is you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, and yeah. uh, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but you can count on the chieftains to, to stay ready. Yeah. Um, as I was thinking about our, our conversation and your constant desire to consume information and to get better, uh, this one's more off the cuff, but just curious, what's the most recent thing that you remember coming across that's like, oh yeah, I got to find a way to add this to what we do. And you know, when we're young, we're looking at like plays or drills and trying to put stuff in and it might not fit our culture, or our mission. And now as you've gotten older, it's more conceptual. But is there anything that's just like in the last that you remember off the top of my head? Oh, this is the, the last thing I put in that was really transformational for us. This is what I stole. And, and here's why I thought it was good. Yeah. You know, in talking to a lot of my coaches, and this is just through networking with coaches, mm -hmm. I've always been like an advocate of, for myself at least, I don't know, but the head coach calling the offensive plays, being in control mm -hmm. of the offensive side. And for 30 years, 29 of the 30 years, because the first year I didn't, and then the year I was with Norm on the varsity, I didn't. So 28 out of 30, I've called plays and been in control and done that. And, and I've talked to some head coaches recently, and they're like, you might want to take a step back and, and not call the plays and, not, and implement that in your program and see how that goes. And it just coincided with me having a really good coach in Alex Besaw on my staff, who's young, who's energetic, who, who has some good youthful ideas out there you know sometimes we get stagnated been coaching for 30 years and we do things the same over and over and over again and and me i've been lucky enough to have the same staff for most of those years yeah he even approached me about calling plays and at first i said no no i can't do that and then i thought about it and he talked to me about it more and i said you know what i'm gonna do it so i was excited and i hopefully we're, we're going to be able to implement it this year because we're going to be able to play but He's going to be calling the offensive plays. I don't know how I'm going to react to it. It's going to be really hard to keep my mouth shut. Mm -hmm. But that was, and I got that through networking with other coaches and then mm -hmm. having my own assistant coach approach me. So mm -hmm. I don't know. That's maybe not what you're looking for. No, it's but perfect. Latest, 
the latest thing, you know, networking with other coaches. I mean, everybody say, uh, the guy that I talk to all the time mm-hmm. is, believe it or not, is our biggest rival is mm-hmm. Salinas. He and I talk quite a bit. On Friday night, we, we hate each other, <laughs> right? And Steve Zank, the head coach at Salinas, he coached with me my first year. Fond memories that year that, that we won it in 2000, he was my line coach. Mm-hmm. And we have great memories. So we've been good friends for a long time. Now, Friday night, I, like I said, I want to beat the heck out of his team. And he wants to beat the heck out of ours. But at the same time, you know, we're net, networking all the time. And I have some good friends up in San Jose, the West Catholic. So I talked mm-hmm. to Patrick Walsh and Sarah. Mm-hmm. We bounce things off each other all the time. Mike Machado at Valley Christian. Mm-hmm. I love that, that aspect of it. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. things about coaching is the uh, coaching brethren. It's strong. And you know that. Because I feel what? like you too. I mean, I've, I've, I've watched you coach and I learned from watching you coach. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, again, how have you evolved over time? How do young coaches become more experienced coaches? And it's embracing that network. And it's like, here's my rival. And it's not necessarily about your, the conflict with the individual, but it's a school rivalry. So it's like, I can learn from this guy. Like, what can I steal? And, yeah. and it's something that as we get older, and I think ultimately, you know, as what I found, right? We were blessed, you and I both, that we've won enough in our life that our insecurities have gone away for the most part. And it allows us then to realize, I don't know, let's ask this, yeah. let's figure out a different way to do it. And, it, and it's such a blessing. And so I'm excited to, to watch you try and, and be committed to giving up control of that. And I yeah. think it, it's going to be super exciting for you and that you're going to find other ways to divert that energy. And I'm excited to see what comes of it. And, and uh, yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that. like I said, watching you, I, I gained a lot, you know, you came to Palma and you were coaching the basketball team and I'm a very conservative coach. I mean, and you know that we mm-hmm. used to run the ball all the time, maybe throw the ball five, six times. I've, I've evolved over time, but I'm still conservative. Mm-hmm. And one thing I learned from you is throw caution to the wind. The offense that you ran, it's just, hey, let's go, roll the balls <laughs> out. And the other thing is, too, is I used to be so high strung game day. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I still am high strung and I still am, am get a little uh, stressed mm-hmm. out and knots in my stomach. But over yeah. time, that's been less and less because you see the big picture, too. Mm-hmm. And you know that the next day, if we win or lose, the sun's going to come up. Yeah, and and this is a conversation for another day. When I watched it with you, and I experienced it myself, when you become a parent and you coach your own children, and you watch their experience, and you shift and coach other sports that you know nothing about, but you learn it to figure that out, it just gives you different perspective. And and I think that's that's the important thing that you you hit the the nail on the head right away. It's like how are you how are you growing? How are you asking questions? And that's what this is for. It's to give opportunities for people to have these lessons that you've learned over 30 years. And hey, here are the quick sound bites. If you could do this, implement them now, and it'll make your journey that much more enjoyable. And, uh, you know, I thank you for taking the time this evening to be with us and really excited to get this out there and, and definitely looking forward to doing a few more conversations because I think we can go get into the weeds on, on some other topics. Yeah, absolutely. I I really enjoyed it, Justin. You're doing a great thing for coaches. All right, coach. Well, thank you. And uh, I'll see you soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you found this valuable, 
please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and give contacts and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support.